the greatest gift that you can give to your team, to the coaches, to your, your society, your culture, is to learn how to become a servant. Hello and welcome to season two of the Dear Young Athlete podcast, where we talk to athletes and coaches about their journeys and what advice they would have for a younger version of themselves. I'm your host, Jacob Thompson. You can call me JT. If you want to hear my story and why I do this podcast, that will be in season one, episode one. But enough about me. Let's meet our guest. Joining me today is a very special guest. This man, he is a husband. He's a father. He is a former collegiate athlete, actually a state champ, pole vaulter in multiple categories, which we'll get to. He's a head varsity basketball coach. Yes. A pole vaulting trainer. Yes. Above all that, he's a man of God. He is a a friend, a mentor, a co-laborer. And it is my honor to speak with Wayne Anderson. Wayne, welcome. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're too kind. Of course, it is. It is my pleasure. Thank you. So, Wayne, you have, you know, been a state champ. You've coached, you've trained, but where did it all begin for you? How did you fall in love with playing sports? Uh, I really didn't have much of an option. <laughs> my dad was a coach. Uh, for 19 years in high school, a high school coach. Uh, I grew up under his tutelage and going to, I would, I would go to the gym when I was, you know, just a little tyke. Uh, my dad loved basketball. It was probably uh, the number one sport that he loved to coach. And so uh, Saturdays for sure, he had the gym open. High school uh, athletes would come in and, and, scrimmage and I'd sit on the bleachers and watch and that type of thing. And then, uh, uh, middle school, uh, started taking the athletics a little bit uh, more serious myself, played, uh, played basketball in middle school, uh, got to high school and, uh, diversified my athletic endeavors a little bit. And it was actually uh, played basketball, uh, ran track as you already, uh, stated, and then uh, I played football. Um, my dad was the, the head varsity coach for basketball, head track coach, uh, assistant football coach. Um, but my relationship with my dad uh, was strained basically because of the fact that uh, he actually did live a little bit vicariously through me. Mm. Uh, so tremendous amount of pressure. Uh, I would like to say that I really love my athletic experience in high school, but it really, that's, that wouldn't be true. Mm. Uh, I did compete, uh, you know, had some accolades and that type of thing, but, um, coming home after a practice, my mom, uh, 
Well, what would happen was I was under such a, a tremendous stress because of the performance piece that uh, we couldn't eat dinner for like 45 minutes after I got home from practice because mm. I, my stomach was so upset. I would actually throw up and that type of thing. And um, so that was, uh, and that was a shame that, uh, that, that happened. Although now I look back at it and, and uh, uh, I appreciate some of the things that my dad actually built into me in regard to like the, the work as, aspect of it, uh, those types of things. And, and uh, him and I have actually reconciled our relationship. Uh, mm. The majority of the wounds have been healed, that type of thing. And, and uh, so that's where it all started. Yeah. Well, I my assumption, that wasn't my personal experience, but I knew plenty of people that it was their experience. And I assume it's a lot of people's experience where a parent sort of puts so much pressure and lives vicariously, like you said. Um, Having that experience probably informs the way that you parented and the way that you actually coach. And we'll talk more spiritually in a, in a bit, but even thinking the way that God redeems. You share about your journey, probably looking great on the surface, but internally having uh, just a painful experience. But now, what you're doing now through coaching, through training, through competing, we see God bringing some redemption. So without skipping it, you were a state champ. Yes. Is that right? Yes. In yes. high school. Yes. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Any other uh, things you want to mention about your football, basketball days? Uh, no, I mean, I actually, uh, I actually loved all three of those sports. And, um, I was, uh, well, this is back in the day, you know, so I graduated in 1970, so I can't tell you how long it's been, but anyway, uh, yeah, football had, uh, I think one of the things that I, I, I loved about athletics was, uh, teammates, mm. uh, the fellowship that you have with each other. One, one of the, the guys that was, uh, on our football team, a great athlete, uh, basketball team, ran track. Uh, him and I are still in a Bible study together. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's super fun. Um, so, yeah, I feel like uh, you're, you're mentioning how some of those things got uh, formed in my brain, uh, how I received correction and that type of thing. Uh, there was a lot of wounding that happened. Uh, mm-hmm. And we can talk a little bit more about the, the spiritual transformation that happened in my life, but that is the piece that actually has helped me to develop a, a different type of perspective on how to actually engage individuals and, and uh, when it comes to the athletic endeavors and, and training them and mm. uh, looking first and foremost at the, the whole person, uh, helping to develop some of those things in individuals, uh, creating a sense of worth 
for that person uh, above and beyond any type of performance that happens on and off on or maybe even off the court too. Uh, but just being a, a, in a place where I've seen when you develop those types of relationships with individuals, uh, getting them to work, whether it's on the court or on the track is much, much easier. Mm. They're more uh, available to take criticism and take correction, uh, especially if you develop those relationships first. Yeah. And, and I like that you mentioned being on a team as being sort of one of your fond memories. And I always tell people like, don't take it for granted. Uh, being with your teammates, working out together, eating together, competing together, you'll get to an age where you don't have that and you miss it. Right. You know, I wish I had 20 guys that we could all go motivate each other to work out, but I don't have that. And so make the most of your team your teammates, what you can do for each other is uh, just an awesome opportunity. So you're in high school, you know, you're playing football, basketball, track, a track state champion. So how do you begin thinking about the future and what you want to do when you graduate? Well, since athletics was... uh... I mean, singularly my, my focus uh, and, and track being the, the place where I excelled uh, the most. Uh, had a lot of coaches actually coming and watching uh, me vault and that type of thing. But I really, I really wanted to, to go to some place where I felt like I had a coach that probably was a little, quite a bit different than my, my dad, mm-hmm. uh, somebody that... Uh, saw me as an individual, valued me as a person, uh, that type of thing. So uh, that's what I did. I ended up going uh, to Stout, a smaller school, but I knew the coach that was there. He was a, a, a good friend of my dad's, uh, knew who, uh, his personality, kind of how he coached people and that type of thing, and uh, uh, went there. I mean, the sad part of that whole story is the I got, I got hurt really bad in the first indoor season and my, my career was, was done at that particular point mm. in time. Um, so then you're looking at now, what do you do? Yeah. Right. Because the fact that my single focus in life was, I mean, I mean, I mean, I was, you know, probably in the top 15 to 20% in the nation and thinking, okay, I, I could end up maybe being an Olympian. That was my thought process. Uh, putting a ton of energy into that and that type of thing, and then end up getting hurt and then having that taken away from you. So mm-hmm. then you're in that position of, all right, now what do I even want to be in college anymore? Yeah. Type of thing. So, yeah. And that's, I mean, you're hitting on the purpose of this podcast is who are you when you can't play your sport? Um, what, what is your identity? What is your purpose? Uh, you can try and find that in your sport, but someday, hopefully, 
not for a long time, but even for the best athlete, it will end. And then who are you and what do you do in life? So me knowing your story, you know, somewhat, I want to pause the athletic piece and come back to it because a lot of the faith journey sort of transpires between the end of your athletic career, we think, and then the beginning of your coaching and kind of re-entering sports. So tell us about your faith journey, um, what growing up was like, what were some some pivotal moments and and whatever you would like to share with us. Sure. Uh, I'll make it a little bit shorter than it actually was. Now, once uh, I lost my ability to compete, I, I, I really lost my way. Um, didn't really know who I was then. Uh, I mean, my whole life was focused on uh, athletics, uh, the accolades that I was getting and that type of thing. Um, so I, I really didn't know what to do. Uh, I, I kind of spiraled into a depression for an extended period of time. Uh, ended up leaving school, uh, was on academic probation, basically because I really didn't want to be there anymore. And I mean, I was actually paying for my own college. And finally, I went to my, my dad and said, look, you know, this is not working for me. Um, I don't want to put the energy and the time and the finances into, into something that I really don't feel like at this particular point in time is where I, where I, I need to be, even though I didn't know where I really needed to be. Uh, that's kind of the, the issue. Um, so he basically said, you know, you could, uh, you can get a full-time job or, you know, you could go in the military and with a little bit of a smile on his face, he says to me, cause the, the military probably straightened me out a little bit. Well, well, stopping there, right? You needed some straightening out because, you know, what kind of lifestyle were you caught up in? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, of course, you don't, you're not in the position where you're telling your dad all the things that you're involved with, yeah. uh, the alcohol, the drugs, uh, you know, the girls that you're sleeping with, and all those types of things that were you're using to find kind of fill that emptiness that's mm. there you know you lost you know your sports identity and now you're trying to figure out what what is my identity you know who am i mm. um so of course when he told me the military that I, I i don't know i mean i decided okay you know what maybe i'll give it a shot <laughs> that's that's kind of my perception on things that that i'll just try it you know well you can't just try the military because you can't you want you to join you have to stay <laughs> but anyway uh, I found that those things that I was using to, to fill that emptiness in me were more readily available, mm. you know, the alcohol, the drugs, uh, in the military. Oh, in the military. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so four plus years of being in the military, uh, trying to chase after those, those, uh, I mean, basically chasing the wind and trying to, to fill up the emptiness in me. Uh, yeah. So it, it went on for four plus years. Um, 
and plenty of things that I'm, you know, very, very ashamed that I did the way I treated people, uh, multiple types of things we don't need to get in today. But uh, so I, I spent those years doing exactly or even more of those specific types of activities that I thought were going to continue to help to fill, you know, but those, those are the types of things that are temporal, All right, You need, you know, one choice, then the next choice and the next choice, all these things, you know, I got to the place where uh, I was so depressed that uh, I literally wanted my life to end. And mm. uh, God saw fit that that didn't happen at that particular point in time. Um, and he had, uh, he had some better things in mind for me. So, yes. So how did you get from this low point to the greener pasture that God had for you? I, uh, the, the Lord had, uh, he has a way of even using, uh, some of your, your choices and activities, uh, to basically usher you into, uh, what he wants for you. So I actually, I had, uh, uh, been dating a girl who actually lived in Oklahoma. I was still in Wisconsin. Um, went down there to see her. And, uh, from there, I actually was introduced to, uh, a small church in Oklahoma city. And, uh, I mean, a long story short was my, my girlfriend, she became, she became a Christian and she, she was the one who invited me to go to this church. Um, uh, I went reluctantly, you know, and, uh, but after the first time, um, the Lord would basically was speaking to me about a lot of stuff. Uh, and this went on for about four and a half months. And the, the funniest thing was the first time we went to church, she hauls me all the way up to the very front pew. I'm very uncomfortable. Uh, the music starts. I start to tear up, you know, pastors, you know, preaching. It's, I'm looking around thinking, is, is anybody else here? In this <laughs> but anyway, uh, I kept going back and uh we ended up back up in the, in the balcony about four months later every i would always stop her and that time but in the interim uh the lord actually had me uh introduced to an older couple at that particular point in time uh keith and joanne moore who had a a horse farm and uh salt of the earth people but it was it was a combination of several things and seeing that my girlfriend had actually really been transformed and changed uh, the things that I had felt were stirring in me and then watching this older couple mm. and the way that they actually uh, treated each other mm. uh, was something I'd never seen before. I mean, my background, my family was, I mean, there's not, it was nothing like that. And uh, so anyway, uh, this was about, it took about uh, about a six month period, and uh, Keith finally sat me down and said, "You know, you need to you need to trust that God's big enough to talk to you one on one." And I asked him what he meant, and he said, "You know, you just have to start picking up the Bible and reading yourself." And so I did that, and uh, I mean, it was similar to when I was listening to the sermons, how that 
God was actually speaking to my heart mm. um, and finally got to the place where I knew and understood that I, I really had to make a choice. Uh, I knew the emptiness of where I was and where I had been and how that those choices had affected my life and the lives of multiple other individuals. Uh, or I can actually accept his gracious uh, invitation. Mm. Uh, and so I did that. And uh, it was, uh, you know, I mean, I, all I can say it was a, it was a divine encounter that yeah. happened. Uh, totally can radically change my life, my perception on life, uh, my choices and that type of thing. And, and uh, so um, that uh, and a culmination of years from that point until I actually started doing my coaching is, is how I'm, I, I think my, my personality developed differently. Uh, uh, my empathy for people had changed quite a bit. Uh, the ability to actually engage people in conversations about uh, that same particular thing, that emptiness uh, within them and, yeah. and uh, then have some type of solution and direction for them. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's powerful. And thank you for sharing. Um, sometimes when people think about faith, they think, Oh, that's nice for some people or yeah, you have to find yourself or find your faith or whatever. Or you have a, a compartment, you've got your work, you've got your family, your sport, your faith. And your story is an example, one of many that we are not talking about some nice, oh, Oh, Wayne found who he is, or he found his way. We're talking about a living God that speaks to your heart and brings a transformation, brings life out of brokenness, transformed your girlfriend, transformed this couple that you saw and the way they loved each other, the way they lived and, and really changed everything about your life. And I think that that is just so important and crucial for people to get. We're not talking about, Hey, uh, just trying to get you to our church or our club or Right. Whatever we're saying, there is this living God who can speak to you through the Bible, through prayer, through fellowship, and really bring change in your life, in your family, in your community. Um, and I think you really nailed that for us. Good. So... You become a new man, really. I mean, tell us just a little bit kind of what what changes and what God begins to do in your life and, and direct you into. We don't have time to hear the full saga of the adventures of Wayne. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, paint, paint a uh, picture. 
if you're finding this podcast valuable take a second to leave a review to follow on whatever platform you're listening on this will help the podcast reach more people check us out at 1020words.com slash d-y-a t-e-n-2-0 words.com slash d-y-a you can check out our merchandise we have sweatpants hoodies t-shirts shorts use code all caps d-y-a-20 and take 20 percent off there's also a button where you can support on patreon follow on instagram at dear young athlete or inquire about being on the podcast or bringing Dear Young Athlete to your team or group. We hope to see you there. Now, let's get back to the episode. Well, I, I would think that the, probably the most profound thing that I felt like God did now that I'm looking back and then see where I am right now is um, the heart that he actually gave me for the poor, the disenfranchised, uh, the, the minimalized people of our, of our society and that type of thing, and especially uh, young men. Mm. And uh, my first opportunity to be involved in any, any ministry apl- application was uh, with a rescue mission uh, in Oklahoma City. And uh, I remember some of the conversations that I had with uh, some younger men and some uh, older men, and something really just kind of stirred inside of me uh, in regard to that. And so as I look back at following the steps and the phases that God has actually brought me in and through, uh, most of that has to do with... uh, the need that I feel that there is uh, within our culture and especially within our culture with, uh, with young men, uh, the mentor piece of it, uh, a person that actually can actually uh, invest in your life, uh, show that, uh, show that person that they, they have value. Um, those are the types of things that uh I actually was engaged with or involved with uh, uh, street ministries. Uh, you know, when I was down in Oklahoma and some back in, back here, but they all, all of that uh, was the most profound aspects of any type of ministry happened with young men. Mm. And so I gathered from that, that, that there's probably something, <clears throat> excuse me, there's probably something, uh, to that. And so that's kind of been what, uh, uh, what I've seen and, and followed through in, in regard to uh, ministry. Uh, you know, you've actually helped me with some of that. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, again, it's like, we're talking about this living God who gives you care for other people. That is a supernatural thing. And uh, to me, that's evidence for the reality of of God and the gospel and the good news of Jesus is why would you 
somehow start caring about others when before it was all about you. And then having a heart for people, especially who are marginalized, um, that is a divine work that happened in you. And it's still happening. And I mean, we're none of us have arrived at a perfection, right? So we're all still gaining and growing, but even, even the fact that you had that change. So sports growing up, though it was an avenue of success, it also brought pain and uh, wounds into your life how did you come back into the athletic world coaching will get to uh competing too how did you get back into that and what was different than than when you were younger yeah i think the like I said, the multiple opportunities I had uh, over the probably the first, you know, 10 to 12 years of my Christian life uh, created or solidified in me uh, this need to be more aware of uh, the needs of uh, young men. Um, I moved back here to the Twin Cities quite a, quite a while ago, but uh Actually, then I got in, I got involved with the ministry that actually I was the individual who actually oversaw the, the development of the, the young men in that program. Uh, and lo and behold, <laughs> the opportunity to actually uh, have a basketball team mm. that some of these guys were actually uh, involved with and engaged in and that type of thing uh, developed. And uh, that was kind of the initiation, if you would, back into um, the athletic endeavors again and and sports and the coaching piece and uh, something I had really always really wanted to do. Uh, You know, we could back up uh, uh, when I went to college and my dad was uh, kind of my advisor around some of that. And I wanted to actually coach and teach just like he did. Well, he said, there's no money in that, which, you know, I had to shake my head. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, but, uh, and I did, so I didn't follow through with that at that particular point in time. But anyway, um, at the particular point in time that I actually got involved with this with this ministry and, and uh, saw uh, the value of a couple of things happening at the same time, that coaching a team creates a very unique opportunity for you. Um, so it's, it is all about relationships, developing those relationships, um, helping under, un, people understand there again, like I said, their value outside of their performance, um, but also setting standards for them, uh, which you have a hard time doing if you're not creating a relationship with an individual, mm. if they don't, if they don't trust you as a, as a person, if they don't sense and understand that you really care about them and love them, uh, it's it, it's hard f- for that to happen. 
but uh, the more that you invest into them outside of the actual, uh, whether it's a basketball court or track or whatever, um, you find that it makes your coaching life a lot easier for you. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not to say it's always easy. And, uh, you know, there's always going to be individuals and people who actually uh, don't respond very well to uh, some of your admonition and that type of thing. Um, and I wish at times that I probably would have been more perceptive around some of that because then realizing my own situation growing up and how I responded to uh, the pressure. Uh, um, but I think over a period of time now, since I've been doing it for several years now, um, I've gotten to the place where I've not lowered my expectations that winning is still something I love. I mm-hmm. want to have uh, the students that, that I work with actually experience that for themselves. Um, but I have to pull back a little bit and understand that for me as a Christian man, as a godly person, that I have to allow Christ to be the focus of my choices, why I do the things I do, and hopefully emulate him in regard to, uh, you know, his value for people. Mm. And it's changed my perspective on, on coaching. And, uh, I think it's, it's created a much healthier atmosphere for myself and, and then the people that I coach and even the parents, I've seen a tremendous, uh, uh, move, uh, if you would, uh, around the, around the parents who are actually engaged with the students that I actually coach, uh, they value the fact that I value, mm. you know, their daughter or their son and that type of yeah. thing. So, yeah. Well, value, I think is a key word. And maybe I say this on every episode, but I'll say it again. When you find your value in Christ, it frees you up to compete, to do your best, to want to win. And to understand your your personal value is not determined by that. Um, you go from and and like you said, you go from playing, trying to find your worth, trying to find your value and your accolades, to now coaching, trying to give value to others, and and. Man, that is powerful. Then, and I don't know where else you find something like that besides a work of God. So you get, you know, back into coaching. You love coaching, giving value to people. You're so competitive. So tell us about your recent competitive pursuit. <laughs> well, it's kind of, it, it's, it's funny how the Lord reopens doors for you. The things that were closed for, I believe, a reason. Uh, and uh, I wouldn't be who I am today or where I am today if it wasn't for those experiences that I had. And now looking back on those things and saying, okay, you know what, that, uh, 
taking my athletics away from me uh, helped me to understand. It, I mean, it took, I'm a little bit harder headed than most people. So it took, it took a while for him to get, to get my attention around that, but to realize that uh, that's not ultimately, ultimately my identity is not there. I mean, my identity now is found in my relationship with Christ. And um, so I, I think that it's, it's probably paramount in every aspect of life that I actually, that's my perception on how I live my life and, and the things that I do and things that I say. Yes. And now what are you, what are you doing? Well, <laughs> I, uh, a little, a little over a year ago, uh, for some reason, and, uh, I wouldn't say it's all God, but I, but I, I, had this thought about, okay, now I've been doing all this working out and staying in shape and staying in condition and that type of thing. And what about the, you know, you know, that there's, uh, you know, there's places that you can still go run track and that type of thing, uh, things that are age appropriate. <laughs> so I started looking around and sure enough, uh, there's, uh, there are several clubs here in the Twin Cities for that, that type of thing. Uh, pole vaulting was the thing that I really wanted to actually look at. And um, so I got involved with uh, an individual out in Forest Lake, which actually let me come and help train some of his kids and, and then vault at the same time. Uh, and then this last winter was involved with, uh, with a, a few meets. Um, and uh, I, I had, I think I had three or four. I won all four of them. But then the caveat, the caveat is, I'm 70 years old, so there was nobody else in my division that showed hey. up. So, uh, but I did set the the indoor Minnesota record this last summer, and I'm still training. And uh, now my my training of individuals has ramped up, so I've actually started my own club now. Um, so it's very fun, yeah. and uh, so I'm still trying to there's a national record I'm chasing. And then, you know, potentially there's some other stuff that I want. To do. <laughs> so if you didn't catch it, you're hearing from the Minnesota. What is your age group 70, called? Uh, 70 plus. Yeah. State pole vaulting record holder. Yes. Yes. We'll, um, we'll have to have you back on the podcast when you break the world record. Yeah, that'd be great. Fantastic. Just to uh everybody tell can us. be praying for me. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, that's and and I've shared this with you, but that's inspiring to me seeing you um still have a desire to compete and have fun to train and um you know, really for anyone, it's, it's inspiring. It's something that hopefully all of us can find things in life that we enjoy. Right. They get our, our life giving and create a dream and a goal for yourself and go after it. And even, even if you don't get it exactly like you thought, the journey will be worth it right so yes yeah i love that well 
I think that is a good place to transition. What we always say, well, I always say it on the podcast is growing up, I thought life was about sports. Now I know sports are about life. So if you can pick of the many, one lesson that you've learned in sports and you've seen it play out in your life, what would be that lesson and how have you seen it? Well, I mean, you can only take from your personal experiences and and, uh, looking back, um, I never realized in in high school or even even in college uh, how much value some of the other coaches uh, around me at the particular time that I was actually competing actually saw what I call the good deposit in me, Mm. Um, and uh, which was above and beyond that that thing that you would actually, uh, you know, the participation piece or the winning piece or uh, those types of things. And um, so I have appreciated uh, the encouragement that those things actually brought to me around around coaching itself. Uh, because if my initial, um, you know, understanding of what it meant to be a coach was just only my father. And my, like I said, my father and I are great now. Um, he actually tells me he loves me. He's proud of me. Uh, which is a, a God thing. Uh, but to be, to be able to look at and understand that there are coaches out there that actually have the ability and the discernment piece to realize and understand that the greatest value that you can instill in, in another individual is for them to perceive and understand their own personal, you know, value. Uh, and of course, uh, being being a Christian man, because of what I know that God has done in and through my life, um, I believe that that's I wouldn't for sure be the man that I am today without that. Um, so I have to give God the glory and the praise for that, uh, and how it's actually changed my perception and how I actually interact with people and deal with people. Um, but I think, it, like I said. Um, you know, I went to, uh, and this may seem like a small thing, but it was huge to me. Um, I went to a, a funeral of uh, one of my ex-coaches. Mm-hmm. And um, the uh, there were several other coaches that were there um, who I knew. And uh, one of the coaches that was at the funeral actually came up to me and said, you know, I don't, I don't know if you ever understood this or knew that, knew that, uh, he, this was the assistant basketball coach when I was in high school. He said, how many times that, that uh, this other coach actually sat my dad down and had my back mm. and actually uh, told my dad that he needed to, you know, to change his approach, uh, that type of thing, uh, that you know, ultimately the way I was being treated was probably going to ruin my athletic career. Mm. Um, so... Um, and this was actually after I became a believer. So now I look back and I go, okay, you know what, Lord, there were, there was, there was, from my perspective, anyway, there's a lot of, a lot of hope for the coaching field. 
Um, and I know that there are multiple people out there probably doing a lot better than I do. Um, but that, uh, especially in our day and age where young people need to see and understand, uh, you know, their value, their worth, uh, help to redirect maybe their purpose in life. Um, and uh, for them to see and to understand, not because I preach at them, but because I live that out, that uh, there is a better way, uh, there is a more fulfilling and, and uh, uh, joyful way for them to actually interact with athletics itself. Mm. Mm. Making the, the good deposit in, as a coach and in life and the people that you cross paths with. There are studies. I've been out of coaching for a couple of years. Kind of, I've still coach a little bit church basketball, but when when I was coaching, I was hearing about studies about the influential role of a coach in a young person's life. And I forget their percentage, but I believe like a majority of young people had said that they'd be more likely to listen to their coach than their parent or guardian. And so it's something I never took lightly as a coach and I don't take lightly and why we do this podcast and hear from a coach and hear their story because there's more to people than than we pick up uh, at practice every day. So thank you for that. Thank you. As we begin to close out, you're here on the Dear Young Athlete podcast. As we do every episode, we need you to complete the statement, Dear Young Athlete, what do you want to say to your players, to your trainees, to a younger Wayne? I think that the, the most important thing that I would have to say is focus on a shift. Give it to us in, in full form. And what I mean by that is... Or dear young athlete. Ah, dear young athlete. It's time for you and for all of us to stop looking at and having the perception that it's all about me. Mm. The greatest gift that you can give to your team, to the coaches, to your, your society, your culture, is to learn how to become a servant. Mm. Serving people is going to be the thing that is, is going to uh, literally change and transform not only you, because it changes your perspective about how you do life, but it actually gives people the opportunity to be more apt to enter into your space that you have mm. relationships with. Yeah. Somebody once said, the greatest among you is the one that serves. Yes, he did. 
and uh, that would be Jesus if if you didn't pick it up. But that's that's a good word. Amen to that. Thank you. Amen. Wayne, it has been my joy to spend this time with you. Do you have any final words, uh, anything you didn't share that you have for us? No, not really. No, I, I just appreciate the opportunity to do this today. Uh, you know, even something like this actually creates more of a, a a sense of value in my, you know, in who I am as an individual, being able to actually share some of my life and my, you know, change of, of attitude and those types of things that's happened in my life. So I really appreciate you being able to have me here today and, and uh, I'm encouraged. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing with us and um I look forward to you breaking the world record. Amen. That's exciting. All right. Yes. Cool. Thank you so much for listening to the Dear Young Athlete Podcast. Remember to follow on your platform and leave us a review. Check out our website linked in the description, 1020words.com slash D-Y-A. Use code all caps DYA20 and take 20% off the merchandise. We'll see you in the next episode.